Welcome to the Influence the City podcast, a podcast for leaders and aspiring leaders. Our goal is to challenge you to expand your influence, advance the gospel, and reach your city. In this episode, Dr. William Lamb and Travis Johnson have a conversation about mentoring and investing in the next generation of leaders. Dr. William Lamb is the director of the Leonard Center at Lee University and hosts the ServeCast podcast. He shares about making investments into people now and seeing the return many years later. Join in for this conversation and allow your heart and mind to be encouraged to make an investment into somebody today to increase their impact tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe to keep up to date with all the newest episodes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor, and give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform. Let's jump in to today's conversation with Dr. William Lamb and Travis Johnson. Welcome to the Influence the City podcast. Today, I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Dr. William Lamb. He is the uh, director of the Leonard Center at Lee University. And Dr. Lamb, I have to say, every time I say Leonard Center, <laughs> I want to say Leonard Skinnerd. So, know. you know, a little sweet home Alabama. <laughs> Welcome to Influence the City. Thank you so much for being Man, here I'm with delighted. us today. I'm delighted. It's a joy to be with you guys and uh, love what you do from a distance and glad that I can walk alongside you on occasions and uh, delighted to be with you today. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you for hanging out with us. Hey, if you'll do me a second right now, go ahead and like this podcast, subscribe, follow, share it with a friend. We're going to have a great time. We've had a, several uh, really good podcasts that we've kicked this thing off with, and uh, I anticipate today will be really great. Uh, Dr. Lamb, you are a TED conference speaker. You um, are in uh, humanitarian work, mentoring, working with students, education, a number of things. When I think about you, though, when I think about what is your superhero strength, <laughs> how is it that you influence your city? I see you as someone who is involved in social networks, relationships, mentoring, coaching, family, and uh, your reach has been pretty wonderful one-on-one, -on -one. Um, but it's the kind of thing that little by little over time, the impact uh, exponentially grows. So why don't you just share a little bit, and, and then I want to ask you about some of some leadership principles sure. that um, maybe you didn't start out with these principles, but you've discovered them as you go. I'm sure you have some of those things, um, some lessons you pick up in classrooms, and some you discover along the way. They, they rub on, off on you from someone else, or maybe uh, the school of hard knocks just deposits <laughs> them in your heart. I want all of that from you today. Um, the people that are listening today, they want to influence their city. Some are business leaders, students, aspiring leaders, uh, all kinds of folks, pastors, um, civic leaders. And so I hope that everybody is able to um, hear what I know about you and appreciate about you. Now, I met you as a student um, at Lee University back in the 90s. Long time ago. And yes, it's, it's, it's um, wow, time is going by so fast, but it's, it's been a really great journey. And to watch what all has happened in your life and the work that you're doing with students globally, connecting people into service, uh, your backyard uh, work, your tutoring, tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. You know, Travis, um, one of the things that I, that I, want to start off this conversation with that I think is incredibly important right now, especially with the way the world is setting and the way that things are happening around the globe and with COVID and the woes associated with COVID and how this has put everybody on a little bit of an edge in many ways, you know, uh, fear has jumped in a lot of people's minds and hearts. But I want to just begin by saying that 
the day you were created, you were created for community. You know, we have never been intended that we would be created for isolation. And I think that, um, you know, all of the necessary social distancing and all of the things that are going on right now that are helpful in trying to eliminate as much as we can on the spread of, of this virus, it's potentially causing people to somewhat be isolated. I'm a, no, I'm a social mm-hmm. person, man. Right. I mean, I'd rather yeah, high five absolutely. and fist pump and hug people than to, you know, do the air hugs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of old for me, you know, I'd rather. I, I don't even, at this point, I don't even know how to walk into a room, you know. Exactly. I used to walking in smiling, giving a good handshake or yeah. a hug, and now I just walk up and give like a good firm <laughs> thumbs up. I, that, it feels so incomplete. Exactly. So, you know, I, I want to begin by saying to the listeners that we're not created for isolation, we're created for community. Yeah. And that that brings an incredible responsibility to, responsibility to all of us. And, uh you know, prior to coming to uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, I think it was 1985, I think it was, that I landed in Cleveland, you know, fresh out of the Marine Corps, and I came to college here, and uh, I, I never left, you know, I, I stuck around, I met my wife in my early years, and uh, we just celebrated 32 years this year, which is pretty incredible. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, man, three boys, Congrats. three daughter-in-laws, and two grandbabies, and loving every minute of it, you know. But I think this and, and some animals. You got some animals in there too. Hey, like your family, we got tons yeah. of them. I got a goat that thinks yeah. it's a horse. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if anybody wants to see those pictures, they can go catch it on my uh, WLAM88 Instagram. I'm sure there's a picture of a horse. I mean, of a a goat eating in the trough while the horses are doing the same. But uh, <laughs> you know, Travis, the thing I think for me is to to recognize that you know we're all created for community. And we're all designed to make some kind of investment in the world. And so for me, I I found that investment early on and I'll steer people to my TEDx talk. They can grab it and and listen to it and watch it because it talks a lot about the day I started as a school bus driver, you know, and uh, I love that story. I'd never ridden a school bus before that day. Right. So I start driving a school bus. My wife owned buses in the county and, and I started driving it. And out of that man was just birthed a tremendous amount of opportunity to make impact and Landed a job at Lee University nearly 18 years ago now, and uh, to launch our service learning program, still there. And uh, so what I'm finding is we've all got somewhere to invest. We've all got some place to serve. We've all got some place to give. And if we're not careful, we'll miss that opportunity. So we need to be right. really intentional about finding it. So now in the, in the 80s and 90s, you had a big leadership push. Yeah. Lots of conversation about leadership. John Maxwell was killing it. I mean, nobody can produce a book like John Maxwell, he speaks in these tweetable, quotable, you know, axioms that just kind of hang with you. Um, One thing that happened maybe in the 80s and 90s is this really strong push about leadership. A lot of times you have find yourself actually, you know, diminishing the role of community and relationship. I love reading. There's two things that stand out to me in the scriptures, uh, Moses and then the um, in, in the book of Acts, uh, you have the, the development or the invention of the elders where the apostles were overworked as the ministry, the community, the relationships uh, really backed up on them that, you know, you only have so much time in a day. Yeah. That, so the apostles were tired, tired. So they appointed elders to oversee the distribution of food for the widows. The same was the case in um, the Old Testament with Moses. He was hearing cases sun up to sundown. He was tired. The people were tired and frustrated. They trusted his leadership, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough of him to go around, and he felt taken advantage of. His father-in-law came along and said, hey, you need to put some good systems in around these relationships. Sure. So, you know, it's really like a 
I think this is one of the really great pieces that you um, can add to this discussion today is the role of relationship in community and community in the context of leadership that enables you to have broader bandwidth, lead more people, not in a way that's removed from people, but still is very much a part of community and demonstrates that so that other people can replicate that. You know, Travis, I'm going to take uh, seven years of my PhD study. I'm going to deduce it into four points really quick, and I'm going to toss it out for your listeners, all right? This is how we define leadership, and I'll, we can give you the names of the, the authors behind all of this uh, theory later, but um, leadership is defined as influence. Um, mm-hmm. Leadership is defined as a process. Leadership um, is defined in the idea that it, takes time and leadership is involved in relationships, you know, so it's not a start and you end the destination so quickly, right? It sometimes takes a lot of time and uh, the whole mentoring idea, you know, we're going to mentor somebody and lead them along the journey, right? But then we need to back up and start with them again because maybe they didn't get where we needed to go. Well, that's leadership. Leadership is the idea that it's influencing people and it's moving people toward a common goal and just deduce all of that into those those four points. And I think that for, for us today, we have to understand that relationships are never intended to be one-sided, right? Mm-hmm. You and I, right. if, if, if the only time I ever hear from you is when you want something, then I'm right. eventually going to get tired of hearing from you, right? But right. if I hear from you when you need something, then that's going to be part of the relationship for me because I'm going to want to help to meet that need because I know you do the same thing. And I think that trust is a key factor here because mm-hmm. trust is a, is an issue that a lot of people have problems with. My friend, you would remember his name, uh, Gary Riggins, pro- professor at Lee University. He defined yeah. trust this way. And he said that trust is defined as a risk survived. And I just wonder, a lot of times when we enter these relationships in the community, you know, do we enter those so that, you know, I can get a benefit from you? Not really. I entered those so I can serve you. But at the same time, I'm usually going to get something back in return because reciprocity is my friend, right? Right. So I would say trust people, risk it, um, recognize that we can do more together than we can do apart. Uh, Multiplication, and in particular God's method of multiplication, is -hmm. really amazing to me because he can take something so minute, minute, so small, so seemingly insignificant, and take that seed and plant it into amazing outcomes but again, right. I like how you guys say it at Pathway, um, for the good of the city. You know, my yeah, for God, for God in our city. That's right. Or not for me. They're so that I can be mobilized to make an impact for somebody else. Right. And you know, this is that that is one thing that Jesus says. He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor." as yourself. So when we are serving other people, it's actually beneficial to us. It's probably a problem when we take ourselves out of the um, formula or we take our neighbor out of the formula and it's just about us. It becomes incomplete. I love what you said here about leadership. You said leadership is influence, it's process, it takes time, and it is involved in relationships. And so my assumption is if you remove one of those legs from the stool, so think of that as like a four-legged stool, if you remove the process and you have influence, you have time, you have relationships, then you're probably going to be very busy. Yeah. You're going to work hard, sweat. You know, so you know, here's how I kind of think of that is there's only uh, two ways to grow. One, you can work harder, sleep less, sweat more, or you can create a system that allows you to grow. What does a system do? Good acronym, system saves you stress, time, energy, and money. So that's your process 
that allows something to go even when you're not inputting, managing, right. you know, being the traffic cop. You know, there has to be values and processes um, to kind of move things along. I think in business, it, it's the three P's, people, product, and process. Yeah. So if you remove out that process, uh, what, what happens if you have influence, you have process, and you have time, but you don't have relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to be pretty bored because there's really no other way to move anything around the world unless it's through the idea of relationships, right? Now, right. you know, we're not talking about um, moving beans for chili, you know, or whatever. We're, we're talking about moving people toward a common goal to make an impact in the world. And so I think that one of the reasons leaders get so frustrated, uh, I've been there and I've witnessed a lot of other people get this way, is because I think that, you know, it relationships require me to be pliable. And if I'm unwilling to, mm. to listen as well as I want to talk, then I'm going to miss the right. value of that relationship. And I think that, especially, and I'm not a business guy, you know, per se, I don't, I don't own a company, I don't do that kind of stuff, right? But the thing for me is that this reciprocity factor is key. And I think that for us, mm. we have to understand that when I make an investment to somebody, I may not get an immediate, an immediate return, and I don't really care. What I care about is whether or not that investment was relevant to their need. And I can't determine that. Yeah, sure, I can give a box of groceries, which is powerful and important. I can give a backpack, which is great. But if I don't do some follow-up with that box of groceries or that bag, you know, I'm right. missing the opportunity to develop relationship for the long haul. And I think that's the key factor is understanding relationships are not necessarily for the immediate, but they're for the long haul so that we can help people to develop and mature and grow in the relationship both with God and with those around them. So when you're cultivating influence, which that in itself generally takes time, of sure. course, you have influence with some people automatically, but usually that's a product of time and process. Yeah. But if you t so if you take your, your influence, you engage process, and then you're highly relational, people trust you, you repeatedly do what you say you would do, yeah. and what you do is uh, spent on things that need to be done. It's, it's not just busyness. That time element is so important. I mean, I, th I look at things that you're involved in right now or things that I'm involved in, things that see other people are involved in, that they're getting results right now. And it makes them look like what they're doing right now is what's producing it. But a lot of times it's a few decades of investment yeah. that's just beginning to flourish. Maybe students that you had that you were taking out into your backyard program now that are producing incredible things around around the world, but it was your time, your relationship invested in them, mentoring, modeling, sure, uh, providing feedback. There's no replacement for time. No, no replacement for time whatsoever. And I don't know that I actually have the human capacity to determine whether or not this moment invested is going to yield this return. Because you can't do it that way. At least I've not been able to do it that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to tell the whole TEDx talk because I want people to go there and I want them to uh, to grab it so they can go to YouTube, um, William Lamb TEDx, and they can get it there. And you know what we'll do? We'll take that link and we'll drop that here into the podcast so that if you're listening, you can look down into the podcast description, click that link, and you can catch Dr. Lamb's TEDx. Yeah. The, the point I'm making in that, you know, um, Travis, is there was one story, one student on my bus, it took 30 that's a three zero. It took 30 years for me to hear the story of the impact of me just giving this kid a baseball glove when he was headed to the sixth right. grade. 30 years. So I think that that if I'm doing something today anticipating a return tomorrow, my motive isn't right. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing something today hoping for the transformation for that person tomorrow, then that's the right, right motive. And I think that we have to pay attention to the 
human propensity to want the motive for our gain. I mean, I don't care how good of a person you are, right? You feel good when I give accolades to you. You feel good when you give mm-hmm. accolades to yourself, right? I mean, right. we've got these chemicals that come into our body automatically when that happens. But the point I'm making is we have to be aware that time, as you mentioned it, time is is something that we don't get back. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. I call it missed opportunities. There's nothing more frustrating to me when I know I should have done something and I didn't do it. And right. when I do it without trying to gauge the outcome of the time, I do it time and time and time again because I trust the process. And the process is if I invest in you today and leave it there, at some point that's going to take root. Now, maybe somebody else watering it, as the scripture talks about. Maybe somebody else is investing in that and nurturing it, but I'm still going to see an outcome from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so I have two thoughts just as I'm kind of bringing, synthesizing this together. Sure. Maybe two things. One, there's the law of large numbers. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. I'll give you the second one here in just a minute. But uh, out of our time, uh, you're moving how many students each year into their um, volunteerism, their service um, projects? Yeah, well, just whatever whatever the enrollment is, it's typically right now, you know, around So 5,000 5, students. Yeah, around 5,000 okay. students. Yeah. Times how many years? 18 years this year. Okay, so wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, so like 900,000 volunteer projects that your students are doing yeah. have done. That's over time. The law of large numbers says the basically the, you know, the the more asks the the more service projects, uh, the more investments, the more hooks you have in the water, then the more fish you're going to catch. So if your rate of return, say for every 100 students, you only you know that do a service project, you have two or three that it makes a lifelong difference. Well, if you want to impact the thousands, then you need to engage the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. So the law of large numbers, rather than being disappointed when your leadership influence your process and your time your relationships aren't paying off like you want them to and you're maybe you're upset at the product mm-hmm. instead maybe just be okay with hey i'm not going to get a return on everything but if i get more hooks in the water or if i use a net i reach out to more people i'm going to get a rate or better rate of return then that goes a, a long ways to making an impact influencing our city influencing our community influencing our world Absolutely. And, and I think, Travis, one of the things is it's a lot of it's learned behavior, right? So yeah. years ago, my son, who is now 30 and who has two children, um, years ago, I came home from work and I walked in the door and my wife looked at me and she said, it was your fault. And I said, what's my fault? And she said, your son. And I'm like, no, that's our fault. That's where he's our son together. And she's like, no, he spit on the window of the Suburban. I don't know about you and Blake, right? <laughs> but here's my thing. When my boys were little man playing baseball, I just taught them how to spit. Somehow spitting and baseball goes together, right? So Tyler learned the art of spitting and one day turned to spit out the window of the Suburban and I guess the window wasn't down and he spit on the Suburban window. You know, when I come home and my wife tells me the story, why did he spit? Because he watched me. It was learned behavior, right? It's Mm -hmm. learned behavior. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm watching Elijah and Everly watch their daddy and they're learning things from him. In this business of relationships and ministry and influence in the city, Man, we've got to be really intentional about building relationships with people where when they're watching what we're doing, they see something worth replicating. If I'm not giving you something worth replicating, then I'm not really giving you any kind of tools to make impact in the community. And I think for us, we have to recognize that this um, replication of behavior, replication of, of goodwill towards other people, a lot of that 
is just learned. People are not necessarily born with the innate desire to make an impact. We're born mm-hmm. to be selfish mm-hmm. creatures. I mean, the reality is, if I, you know, it's more disciplined for me to be giving and caring than it is for me to be, you know, self-consumed. And and so we're creatures of habit, right? What kind of habit are we creating that's 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 giving resource um, ideas and, and and creative moments for other people to use those? So a lot of things I, I do, I'm in hopes that eventually I don't have to do those anymore because somebody else behind me has grabbed a hold of those. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to, but I need to be spending my energy somewhere else. And and so I think it's got a lot to do with this multiplication and this you know, law of numbers also has a lot to do with the idea of creating um, activity and behaviors that are willingly replicated and duplicated in the world of chaos. Chaos. That is your TED Talk. Yeah. That is your TED Talk. But then you, we also have some other, maybe some other links where you can get some of that message too. Really good stuff. Okay. So let's say you want to increase your influence in the city or in your family. Yeah. You want to increase influence in your school, in your workplace, in your business. We just said if you want to increase your influence, you have to have increase the number of outlets, yep. increase the number of actions, increase the number of relationships, uh, increase the number of something. That's not the only answer. That's a good answer. That's a good place to be. There's also something there that if you want, you know, if you want more of the seed that you've planted to grow. Or if you want to get a, a high number of plants to grow, obviously you plant more seed. But the other thing that you can do is you can plant seed in the best soil yeah. that you can find. That'll also produce greater crops or you know greater. If you want your business to succeed or more businesses to succeed, you know we shouldn't only increase the number of engagements, but we should examine where it is that we're making our investment. Mm -hmm. And it may sound heartless. Like, I don't think we should discriminate uh, necessarily against the investments that we're making. But if someone doesn't want our mentoring, our mentorship, if someone doesn't want relationship with us, we, because we have a limited amount of time, then you want to invest your time, your money, your resources, your ideas in someone that's hungry for whatever it is that you're bringing to the table. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, you know, it's a little convoluted, I think, in reality a lot of times because, um, you know, who's really going to deny somebody, you know, a goodwill, right? Hardly anybody. But if I, Mm -hmm. as I'm listening to you, whenever somebody that I'm trying to invest in doesn't want to take my investment, which means they're not willing to grow, they're not willing to learn, you know, then obviously I'm not their best teacher and they have to find another teacher that's applicable mm, to their mm. need, right? So I think that's 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 rightly said and I think we can obviously do that. I also think there's a there's another value here that comes into play. Um, I'm responsible. I have to be very prudent with my gifts and my talents mm. and my mm-hmm. skills and my abilities. And sometimes it's not a good use of my time and my effort in one particular area or one particular location. Not because of the numbers, just because of the seedbed that you're talking about. And so I, I agree with mm-hmm. you in part there, Travis. And I think that that as leaders and influencers in the city, what we have to recognize is we are responsible. I'm responsible for my actions, but I'm also responsible for what I know. If I know that somebody is unwilling to grow, then I have to maybe just spend my other energy somewhere else for those people that are willing to grow while still either helping that person find there's plenty of plenty of times in my life when I've said to somebody, you know, I've taken you as far as I can take you. 
I, I can't help you anymore, right? right? right. You, you need to go over here. Let me make a referral to you to someone else that might can help you, right? I think that's fair, and I think that's okay. So I would say yeah. to your to your comment there, as leaders and influencers, number one, you're responsible for what you know. If you know a person is willing to learn and glean, then you need to pour your time and your energy into that person. Right. If you know that an organization is more prone to competitiveness than they are collaboration and they're not willing to align with the mission or the kingdom calls, then don't feel guilty for not bringing that person to the table. You know, there are plenty of conversations that mm -hmm. I have that goodwill people are not at the table because it's more conflict than it is favor. That might be a little rough to be said, right? But I think the reality is you got to have like-mindedness. And I think that in a world right now that is so embedded in chaos and division and, and turmoil and tumultuous times, We've got to be willing to say, who are the like-minded people that can bring ourselves together so that we can have a much stronger impact? You know, Travis, we just finished up uh, Summer Honors at Lee. You're familiar with Summer Honors. Courtney, I think, will right. be there next year. That's a summer program for a couple of weeks. You can come yeah. and get a, a college experience. It yeah. kind of starts you off before your freshman year of college. Yeah, it's available for anyone who is a rising senior in high school or mm -hmm. a recent senior they graduated and headed to their freshman year of college. So you can actually come, you know, right before your senior year and right after your senior year. Uh, LeeUniversity.edu, great place to check it out. It's a wonderful program. Um, I've been teaching in that program for, I think, nine years. But the point I'm getting to is I'm telling, I tell my students this every year. You, you need to do two things every day. You need to look and you need to listen. Now, if I were to say to our listeners, which I'm going to say to your listeners today, if you're driving and you're listening to this, you probably don't want to try this, but wherever you're at, stationary, just take a moment, take 30 seconds and look around the room. What do you see that's new? What do you see that you had not seen before? Secondly, take 30 seconds, be quiet. We won't do that here. This is an audio show because we're going to keep talking, but take 30 seconds and be quiet mm -hmm. and listen for the sounds that you may have never heard before. When we do those two things, a couple of things happen inside of us. Number one it positions me to be able to look and listen. So I look for the not so obvious and I listen for what people can't tell me. Right now, Travis, there are people in this world who are afraid to tell you their pain. They're afraid to tell you their shame. They're afraid to tell you their hurt. But if we can tune our spiritual ear, if we can tune our natural ear to be able to listen to people, and if we can tune our spiritual eyes and our natural eyes to be able to observe it's a good chance we're going to see the needs that somebody else has out there that we can then step into and affect change. Does that make sense? Yes. You got to look, you got to listen. And it's in that intersection in life when you look for the not so obvious and you listen for what people can't tell you that you're probably going to have a pretty good shot at making an impact in a very difficult place that could have tremendous amount of outcome uh, in favor of the Lord's work in the kingdom. Yeah, that's right. Let me let me throw something at you here when we're talking about you know influencing a lot of people. Yeah. Now, if if you start serving a lot of people, you're coaching a lot of people, you're doing life with people, you're working on projects together, you're training and developing. Like you're saying, one day you want to hand the ball off to somebody else, which I don't know that it exactly goes like that. I think you probably are modeling it. Then you're giving people opportunities, and then you're watching, you're coaching and somebody else is doing the work to where you become unnecessary. I think mm -hmm. that's kind of how that goes. When you look at David's life and you look at how he started and then how he ended, when he started, um, the Bible says he takes a group of people that were in debt and distress and discontent. Yeah. That, that's who made up his army. 
And at that point, they, they really were not happy with, with David. They, they weren't together. They weren't a team. They weren't a unit. But in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 22, David's life is being finished out, and there's kind of like a recounting of his great leaders. You know, he had his three, he had his 30, he had his mighty men of valor. And they go through and recount how, like, um, uh, I forget his name, but he was the Hackmanite, how he went to battle uh, basically right there with David and, you know, killed all these people in this battle so much so that his hand froze to the sword, you know. Uh, these were David's best leaders, but when he started out, he was giving himself to everyone until leaders began to emerge. The, the challenge presented itself, and then it wasn't the people with the best pedigrees, the best names, the best education. It was the people who rose to the occasion who became, you know, David's leaders. So his leadership, the, the relationship, the process, the influence, and then time began to allow those leaders to rise. And then you actually see that David ends up spending, you know, most of his time with those leaders because they became the best soil. And I think that when I look at what you do and I look at leadership in, in general, out over the course of time, people begin to uh, get your value system and, you know, you get their value system as you, you kind of rub off on one another. Your investment in one another really does have this exponential impact as leaders run together, which increases your social network. It increases your ability to influence the things. And it really isn't like a super flat structure. You actually have a close circle of Peter uh, people. Uh, like Jesus had Peter, James, and John. You know, David had his three. He had his 30. And, you know, I know that Dr. Lamb has his crew that he runs with as well. And there's just no way to get around that other than time and investment into one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm, as you're talking, I'm, I'm drawing my mind back to a theory that uh, Ken Blanchard talked about, situational leadership. You know, and he gives this whole idea yeah. of there's basically four styles of leadership in this model. You know, there's directing, there's coaching, there's supporting, and there's delegating. And the idea is eventually, you know, I... I don't have to direct, you know, now we know that uh, Zeke is doing the, the, the all the audio stuff on here. He's a great guy, right? And so if we're having to direct him every day, then he's not really developing his potential. You know, at some right. point, there has to be the place that you can do what you did earlier and pass this thing off completely to him and say, okay, coach, you tell me when it's time to start this podcast because you've got the audio at its prime point. And I think the point I'm making is, is that in these relationships, there's always going to be a, a, a point that I'm at a different quadrant with these people depending on who they are. So somebody, I'm still going to be directing them. Somebody, I'm still going to be coaching them. I'm still going to be supporting them. But man, the idea is that I can delegate. I can take it, pass that ball to you, right, and champion you as you run down the field, right? And I think that's where and, – and there's a risk with that, Travis. Um, there's some people that I have passed the ball to, and man, they fumbled it, right? But they picked it up and kept on going. There's been some people, man, they they caught that ball. Dude, they have surpassed anything I would ever hoped of doing in my life. And that's great because all I know to do is to get them started on the right path and then champion them as they as they score, as they finish well. You know, so so I agree with you. And I think for us, I think mm-hmm. it's a, as this influence grows, you know, real leaders in their communities have to be focused on the idea that I'm not, nobody's going to be at the same level always. 
you know, there's going to be uh, people that we think we should be able to delegate something to. Man, they're still in the directing quadrant. They still need somebody to give them some direction, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think for leaders, we have to give people. It's going to sound really hard. We got to give people permission to fail. I mean, I, I mean, seriously, give people permission to fail. His name was Brad. He was a student of mine many years ago um, in youth group, and he had to do devotion, the opening devotion in youth group one night. This has been 25 years ago, man. We came to the meeting, and Brad, you know, didn't have anything, and he told me before the meeting, he was like, you know, he said, um, they called me Pastor Will back in the day. He said, Pastor Will? He said, I don't have anything. And I'm like, sorry, Brad, I'm still going to call on you. He's like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, I am, because you've known about this for a week, right? It may have been a little cruel, Travis. Okay, I probably shouldn't have done that. But I called on him. Man, you're talking about some awkward silence in a youth group. Man, these kids were looking at him, and he was looking at me. Well, he understood that night that he made a commitment that he didn't fulfill. There was never another day that I needed Brad to do anything that he wasn't prepared and ready to deliver, right? So we got to give people permission to fail, but then we don't let them fail without us coming alongside them and helping them to mature as well. So, you know, in this city business, in this influence business, man, time and process is a key factor because you're never going to get it right with everybody. But if you keep giving them the opportunity, chances are they're going to catch it and they're going to run with it. Right. I like that. Here's how we say what you just said. We say we value leadership multiplication slightly more than excellence. Yeah. So you have to be willing to downgrade the quality of something in order to develop leaders, which then expands your bandwidth, which enables you to reach more people, serve more people, produce more widgets, whatever it is. Yeah. But if everything has to be perfect all the time, you will never let go of control to allow other people to come along with you. So a little downgrading of the quality, you know, you have the... You have to be the control on that to determine how much you're willing to downgrade it. But if you're willing to let go of that, then what you'll find out is the people that you're releasing things to a lot of times will do things much better than you, but they'd never be able to do that if you aren't willing to let go of some of that excellence, some some of that control. Exactly. And I want to challenge your listeners to do this for just a minute. Think about who made life work for you, right? Who, Who set things in order so that you could so that you could be doing something of value and something good, right? And think about those people and then figure out a way that you will be able to actually um, duplicate that by championing somebody else and making sure that, you know, when I think about me being a mentor for somebody else, it's only because people like Billy and Cliff and Gary and my dad were mentors Mm -hmm. for me, right? right? So you owe it to those who helped you get started to help somebody else to get started, you know? And I think that there's a little bit of an innate fear inside of people that say, you know, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Like right now, let me just be brutally honest with you, man. Dude, I'm, I'm socialed out, man. I, I, I am dying for like, you know, go to a restaurant where I can be crowded in once again, you know, and, and hang out with people once again, because that's a very important part of my life is connecting with people, um, loving on people, making impact with people. Um, so I've had to recognize that for me, I can't do it the way I used to, but neither can I afford to get shelved either. I've got some days left. I've got some months right. left. I got some years left and I need to be engaging every day in a new process in a new way to make impact for the long haul. Yeah, man, that's really good stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Lamb, for all that you do. Thank you for your time here with us today on Influence the City. 
podcast. Man, I, I love you guys. I appreciate what you do. And I'm, I'm watching it from a distance. And uh, man, I tell you, um, and I want to speak to the people that are really making impact in their cities. You don't have to keep score. God keeps score better than I do. Mm-hmm. If I keep score of the good I'm doing, eventually I'll be focused more on the good I'm doing than on the need I'm doing it for. Now, doesn't mean that you don't champion. It doesn't mean that you don't celebrate. You know, you guys, since I've known you, you have taught me the power of celebration. That's incredibly important. But you're only celebrating for that moment. And then tomorrow you're trying to pass what you just celebrated for that moment. And I think for those people that are out there making a difference, celebrate well, but don't get caught up in the celebration to the point that you forget that there's another need that needs you to be able to step into it and make a difference. Yeah. Man, what a great contribution you make to Lee University. Of course, I'm proud of that as, a, as an alum. Thank you for that. Thank you for your investment in these kids, these students. Um, you know, we have been a recipient of that. Uh, in People for Care and Learning, we've had so many of your students working for us in Cambodia, interning with us, uh, interning with us here in the church. We're beneficiaries of that at Biotree Change of Life. In fact, let me just drop a little bug for Biotree Change of Life. We sell Christmas trees all over the United States and give away 100% of that money to help children globally and locally. If your church would like to be a part of that, uh, we push 50% of that money that's been raised right into that community. You spend that in a way uh, that helps kids in your community, and then we push it um, you know, overseas in Cambodia to Guatemala, different places uh, like that. If you're interested in doing that, fill out an interest form at it, uh, for us at www.buyatreechangealife.com. It's just a little service project that we started about nine years ago that got out of control. We were trying to raise money to adopt a little girl from Ethiopia into a Coast Guard family in South Florida, and it has just taken on a life of its own. We'd love to have you a part of that family, some great leaders in that. Dr. Lamb, you're a part of that. We've got our Lee University Biotree Change of Life site. Thank you so much for what you do. You guys are pretty amazing. Thanks so much. Hey, listen, you guys have a a great week. We'll catch you in a couple weeks on the next episode of Influence the City. Don't forget, like, follow, share, and subscribe. We'll catch you later.